Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want to start this morning by making a statement, and I've made it a couple of times, sort of alluded to it over the last few weeks, and the statement is this. That the pattern of thinking that has gotten you to where you are is the same pattern of thinking that is keeping you where you are. Amen? And wrapped up in that statement is a sense of gratitude to realize I'm not where I used to be. I've grown. I've changed. God has convicted my heart. I've had revelations along the way. My faith has grown. My relationships have grown. My capacity has grown. But it's grown up to a point where I am right now, and I've developed a way of thinking that is sustaining and maintaining my level of growth, my level of spiritual maturity. But the truth is that 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 level that I'm experiencing now, or the thinking that has brought me to the level where I am, is the same thinking that is keeping me where I am. For us to grow, change is required. We need to adapt our thinking, see things perhaps in a broader way, hone in on certain other things and and adjust and fix and mend, repent if needs be. And so I really believe that we're in a season where God is calling us for spiritual readiness, which means that we need to acknowledge that the grace and the, the measure of wisdom and spiritual understanding that we have is not sufficient for where God wants to take us. If we had already arrived, you know, then then great, then we're all over. But even Paul, he said, I continue to press on. I continue to press in because I know there's more. There's more of God to experience. Have you experienced it all? Have you tasted the fullness of God's life through Jesus? No. And so we know that there is this call and this wooing to draw us deeper. But we also know that we get stuck in doing things the way we're used to. Would you agree with me on that? And I want to demonstrate this principle through something that happened in the life of Moses in the Old Testament. And I want to read two portions of Scripture to you, both speaking about similar events, but in different times and in different places. And we want to look at what Moses did. I'm going to breeze through these fairly quickly. The first reading is coming from Exodus 17, verses 1 to 7, and it says this, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sin according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for them to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you've brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock and our thirst? So let's just pause for a moment here. We see something that is indicative of all of our human nature. When things get tough, we hearken back to a time when things were easier, but because of the pain we're currently experiencing in this moment, we've forgotten about what we were experiencing in those times when things seemed easier, simply because we were struggling with a different battle at the time. While I'm dealing with this particular battle in my life, I hearken back to a time when I wasn't dealing with this battle. But I've forgotten the battles that I was dealing with there. Slavery, oppression. And in those moments, what was I longing for? Freedom. Back in Egypt, what was their wish? What was their dream? What is it that they were praying for? Liberty from our oppressors. Our own home, our own land. 
And now we're on the journey to the fulfillment of that. We've come out of this place miraculously. God delivered. And what is the first thing we do when we hit another trouble? Oh, but I wasn't facing this back there. We kind of harken back to an old way, an old way of thinking. And what does that mean? That means that because of this attitude, those people, that entire generation, we know, except for Caleb and Joshua, they died where? In their way of thinking. Did you get that? They had a wilderness mentality. And because they had a wilderness mentality, they couldn't enter into the promised land because for the promised land, they needed a promised land mentality. They needed a spirit of faith which was required to take them into that land to conquer the new giants that were there, the new cities and the new peoples that needed to be conquered. But because they couldn't, they they were hearkening back and they had a wilderness mentality, they missed it. Let's carry on. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do to the, with this people? They are most ready, they're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod, which, with, with which you struck the river, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink." God gives Moses clear guidance there. He says, I'm going to meet you in a specific time, in a specific place when you do a specific thing. It wasn't willy-nilly instructions. His instructions were very clear. Amen? And I love the fact that God says, I'm going to be there. I'm going to meet you where I send you. So Moses goes. He did so in the sight of the elders. So he called the name of the place. Have I missed something here? No. Uh, he called the name of the place Massah, which means tempted, and Meribah, which means contention, because that's what the people did with the Lord. They contended with him because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, is the, saying, is the Lord among us? And so we see in this instance that Moses has a struggle, a contention with the people. He goes to God. God says to him, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And Moses went and did what God told him to do, and what happened? Water came gushing from the rock. People were not thirsty anymore. Again, God showed his miraculous hand on behalf of the nation of Israel. Now we're going to read another excerpt of Scripture, which seems very similar. We're going to read from the book of Numbers this time, from chapter 20, verses 2 to 12. And you're going to see how similar the narrative is here, but the result is very different. It says this, now there was no water in the congregation. Hmm, been there before. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Huh, did that before. And the people contended with Moses saying, oh, if only we died with our brethren, if only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So we see again. Where are we going again? Back. We want to go back because it's hard. We want to go back again. We see the same pattern of thinking repeating itself. Did you catch that? They didn't learn from the first time. They didn't grow through that experience and that encounter with God. They hadn't changed. 
And they're repeating the same thing here. So again, so Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And Moses spoke, uh, sorry, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod which you and your brother Aaron gather uh, the congregation together. Oh, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, and gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water from them out, for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Did you get that? So we've got the same situation, the same people, the same, everything is the same, but there's something different here. This time, God's instruction, again, clear and purposeful, says... Speak to the rock. Moses, I want to transition you from a place of having to strike to a place of even greater authority where I want you to use your words, your mouth, to speak to the rock. Last time, you struck the rock and you saw that that could make water. But now I want you to to operate in a different way. I want you to do something different in the sight of all the people. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. (laughs) I like that. Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Now, I don't know about you. I, I have played this out in my mind in so many different ways of how this could have happened. And, and in many ways, it could be funny. I mean, can you imagine Moses striking the rock? And here now, you rebels! And he strikes the rock, and nothing happens. And he's feeling like a bit of a twit. And so he strikes the rock again, and water comes. I don't know if that's how it played out. But what we see here is that Moses had to strike the rock twice. He had to work twice as hard this time because he wasn't obeying the commandment of the Lord. And we see here the result of that. Water came out abundantly in the congregation and the animals drank. But then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me, trust in me. Have faith in my instruction. In other words, you trusted in your past experience. You didn't put your trust in the word that I gave you. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? So often we trust in what God said then in that situation or in that time rather than listening and hearing for his voice or even obeying it as Moses didn't in this case. And the result is that God says, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Folks, when what you've done before is no longer working, you need to try a new method. Moses' way of thinking and Moses' way of doing things, though he was the great deliverer of Israel, the thought pattern and the pattern of behavior that got him to where he was is the same pattern of behavior that kept him where he was. Moses himself could not enter into the promised land. He did not adapt and flow with the fresh word that God was giving him. God was trying to take him to another level. And I believe God is calling you and I to another level. Another level of faith, another level of experience in the Spirit, another level of life and vitality in our everyday life. Not just on a Sunday, not wow moments when we come together. 
I'm talking about another level of faith that helps us enter into the seasons that God is, is moving us through as we work our way through life. To greater seasons of fruitfulness. Greater seasons of impact for the kingdom. God is calling us to a new and a fresh word that is unique to this season. Folks, COVID has changed things. Let's be just simple on a very practical base level. Life has changed. The world around us has changed. And if we want to just do things the way we've always done them, we're going to have what we've always had. Our needs and priorities are shifting, and we need to ready our hearts to receive fresh insight from the Lord. When I say spiritual readiness, what do I mean? I don't mean that, you know, we, we're now ready, we're now charged up, we have everything clear. You know what spiritual readiness really is? It's very simple. It's a spirit of meekness in the presence of God. It's a heart attitude that longs to hear His voice with the full intent of obedience. That's what spiritual readiness is. It doesn't take great mountain-moving faith. It takes obedience, faith like a mustard seed, to the words of God. If you compare Moses, in one moment he had to hit the rock. In another moment he had to speak to the rock. Either way, he had to just do what he was told. And miracles, life-giving water would flow. We need the heart that's, that, that, that has come to the place that is truly seeking after the word of the Lord for the season that we are in, for the battles that we are currently facing as individuals, that he may take us through those into victory and into the next level and next season. I want to read to you a portion of scripture from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. And it, from verse 6, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found, Call upon him while he is near. In other words, there is a season where special focus, special attention must be given to seeking the Lord's face. Folks, we always have to... I mean, it's Mother's Day. Let's talk about mothers. There's time when you talk to your kids and you tell them certain things and it happens. As a father, I know it's the same. When I tell my children stuff and we're going about our business, but there's other times when I make them sit down and look at me because what I'm about to tell you is very important. There's other times when I'll sit on the bed next to my daughters and I'll have a conversation with them, just the two of us put away, that is not for the public eyes, that is not a generic conversation, but it's a special conversation, because I can see that they're working with something or struggling through something, and I bring to them a word to help change their perspective, to help give them a different way of seeing things, to bring them into victory, life, strength, whatever it may be within that problem, to help them overcome. Amen? And so it doesn't mean that the rest of the time my word is null and void and only then, but there are times when specific emphasis is being placed on those one-to-one moments. And I want you to understand, folks, that in the Spirit, this is a time such as that, where God is saying, yes, my word, your everyday Bible devotions, those are good, and, and the things that you're used to, they're all good. But right now, there's a special word that I have for you, and I want you to sit and pay attention. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. 
You see, we have a wonderful and beautiful invitation here from God to repent, to turn, to change the way we think, and to move from our current experience to a new and a higher experience in Him. You see, God is always calling us up, up to where He is, up to experience the fullness of what He has made available for us. He goes on to say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your way of thinking has gotten you there. And sure, along the way you've gotten a few of my thoughts and those have helped. But my thoughts remain higher than your thoughts. Nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud. Listen to the comparison here. It's beautiful that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I send it. What word will prosper? The word that comes forth from God's mouth. What do I mean by that? It doesn't mean just the word here. Look, Folks, let's be honest. Many of us can quote a lot of scriptures that we haven't yet walked in the full experience of yet. Amen? Right? But there comes a time and there comes a day where God breathes over a certain word in in the Bible or breathes a word into your heart, which given the season or the challenge that you're facing brings life and strength to you and changes who you are. It brings faith to overcome. Why? Because that's a spoken word. And it doesn't return to God void. Why? Because it produces something in us. Life and faith. Folks, God is always speaking. His Holy Spirit is always endeavoring to bring us deeper into intimacy and fellowship with Him. To bring us into the experiential victory of kingdom life in Christ Jesus. Where we experience and demonstrate His life every single day. We know that this journey of transformation begins in a moment with an event when we get born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we know that it begins as an event that brings us into a state of liberty and freedom, ready to follow and obey. It's the foundation that's been laid, which is Jesus. But thereafter, there's a continual work of transformation that needs to take place. Transformation in our way of thinking. Transformation in our way of behavior, where this new thing that has happened inside of us finds its expression in greater and greater measures of grace and anointing and life. Romans 12, 2 says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So what is God after? Transformation. Transformation. That's a beautiful word. It comes from the Greek word which is metamorphi. Am I right? Metamorphou. Well, metamorphosis is the English word. That's a transliteration from the Greek. But you get the picture. The fact that it comes from the root Greek is significant. It's the word. (laughs) 
It's the word metamorphosis. And you understand the transformation that takes place from a way of wormly thinking to a way of thinking that is liberated and beautiful, just like the transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. How many of you are sick of munching on leaves? Let's go and sip some heavenly nectar. Did you notice that even the diet of a caterpillar and a butterfly are different? There's a complete transformation that takes place. I love how the Passion Translation articulates this verse. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. Not just what you think, but how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. And so what we see is that transformation that happens initially starts the process, but it continues as we continue to believe and act upon the word that God gives us. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says, this is Paul writing and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes. So the word of God is the power of God unto salvation for who? Everyone who believes. But what about him who does not believe it? It is nothing. It has no power. It has no influence. But for those who believe, it is full of power. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live to faith. And here again, from faith to faith, we see that what we have is great. But it's, there's, a, there's a faith, an initial faith that happens, but it's a faith that is, grows. It's a faith that is built on. It is a faith that enlarges over time. It should do. And Paul says that in the message of the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Not that it contains the power, it is the power. Theologian Henry Morris says, I like that guy, the gospel is not advice to people. Let's just just get that. What a a statement there. Because I think very often we consider the Bible to be good advice so that we can live a good life. And if we do this, maybe, you know, good things will come our way. No, 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 the, the gospel is not good advice. You should try this. Suggesting that they lift themselves. It is power. It lifts them up. Paul does not say the gospel brings power, but that it is power and God's power at that. Folks, let me. It's sobering when we realize this truth because the reason we give so little time and attention to the Word of God is because we do not appreciate the value and the power that is contained within it. If we did, we would be hungry and thirsty to believe it and to act upon it. Scripture says to everyone who believes. That's amazing. I'm reminded of the the man who brought his child to the disciples with an epileptic spirit and they prayed for him. 
and they couldn't cast out the demon. And so there the disciples and the scribes are having an argument, and Jesus steps into the scene. We pick it up in Mark chapter 9, verse 21, where he says, how, he says to the Father, how long has this been happening? And he replied, since he was born, or since he was a little boy. The Spirit throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. I love that. You know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't have an ego problem here. He's not going, what do you mean, if I can? It's not that kind of thing. He's not feeling personally challenged here. But what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to shift the focus. He says there is an if at play here that can cause the healing that you are seeking. But the if doesn't lie with me. The if lies with you. He goes on to say, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father cried out. And I think, folks, this is so often uh, an apt cry if we accurately discern the state of our hearts. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I believe. I want to believe. I desire to believe. But help me in my unbelief. You see, here's a very different picture from the people of Israel. The people of Israel are saying, we don't believe. We're moving in unbelief and we want to go back to our place of unbelief because we don't believe that you or God will save us from this despite what we've seen. It's mind-boggling. But folks, it's very easy to point the finger at them. But when we look at what God has done for us in our lives, the forgiveness of our sin through Jesus Christ, His provision of our daily bread, of a roof over our heads, of warmth and food and comfort, of relationships, of a spiritual family, of His favor and His grace moving over us, forgiving us, enabling us to forgive others, bringing us into His joy, delivering us from the power of the enemy. Yet we too still sometimes want to look back. Instead of saying, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because I recognize in me there is still something that wants to settle where I am, that wants to remain where things are comfortable, where the status quo is, because this is what I know. And I realize that if I follow you, Jesus, there's going to be a cost to it. Jesus said all things are possible if a person believes in this word, which within it has the power of God to salvation, sozo eternal, everlasting life, the power of God working in us. You see, the power that is contained in the Word of God and the message of the Gospel is unlocked and is released as we believe. Romans 10 verse 8 says, What does it say? The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach. See, your current level of experience is evidence of your current level of faith. Amen? Are you satisfied? Let me make this really simple and really practical with a very simple example. I remember when I was a child, one of the things I used to love to do when we went to the beach especially when you went to a rocky shore. 
I used to love looking at the, 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 the rock pools. And I used to love journeying and jumping all over the place. I'd, 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 I'd be here, and I'd see a rock pool over there that I wanted to get to. But rocks are slippery, and they're spiky, and they hurt your feet, and they've got barnacles and urchins and all kinds of things over them. So if I had to keep my eyes on where I wanted to be, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. And so often what I would do is, what I would do is you look where you're walking. You know more or less the direction you want to go into. And every now and then you'd stop, and you'd get your bearings again and go, oh, I'm a little off here. I need to go that way. Or you just make sure you keep going in the right direction. I think very often, folks, we get intimidated by where we feel we could be or should be. Very often we kind of keep our eyes there, and because we're trying to have this dream of what could be or should be, we don't quite know where to take the next step. I need to look here for a moment now and take the next step. In your pursuit of where you want to be, you need to begin with dealing with where you Where are you? What are the challenges that are currently facing you? And what is God saying about those? The Bible says the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You see, when you drive at night and your lights are on 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 an empty road out there where there's no street lights, you you know where you're going, you know what the destination is, but you can only see two, three hundred meters in front of you. You've got to take it one step at a time. You, have to, you can't turn that corner here. Amen? You have to wait till you get there. But you have to control the car around this bend now. What is it that you are currently struggling with? What is it you are currently dealing with? Relationally, spiritually, financially. Those are the areas that you need to look to the Word of God concerning. Go find out what God says about that thing. Because that's the word you need now. Amen? And as you, God begins to breathe over those situations and you begin to see life and growth there, guess what's going to happen? There'll be a different season. There'll be a different challenge to overcome. There'll be a different situation to deal with. There'll be a new revelation to enter into. All of this requires purposeful intimacy with God. And I want to leave you with that statement because that really was birthed very strongly in my heart this week. Purposeful intimacy with God. You see, without purposeful intimacy, we just go around and we, we, you know, we don't accomplish anything. We don't grow in our relationship with God. We sit down, we say a few prayers, we read a few scriptures, but because there's no clear purpose of what I'm pursuing, of what I'm looking for, I, I, I read a whole bunch of stuff I may get a whole bunch of knowledge, but it's not changing me. Amen? I'm talking about deliberately seeking after what God says about your current situation or your current struggle or your current need. That's what Pastor Andreas was talking about last week through spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, time in the presence of God. You see, you're in a season that you have never been in before, and you can no longer rely on what you did before. Maybe we also need to realize that. That that which we used to rely upon, striking the rock, is not fitting for the season anymore. Therefore, we require a new word that is unique to your place and your situation. Let us seek the Lord while he may be found. Amen?
Amen. Let's close for a moment. Let's pray for a moment. Father, I want to thank you this morning that you are always speaking to us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear. And you would give us a heart that is meek in your presence, that desires your instruction, and that seeks it with the full intent of obediently following it. My God, I want to thank you for the season you've brought us into. Thank you that when you call us to lay certain things aside, it's not to deprive us, but it's to bring us into something new, higher, better, deeper, and a greater experience of who you are. And so, Lord, I want to thank you for every person in this room, every person who's hearing this message today. I want to thank you that your love and your grace over each one of us is unfathomable. And I want to thank you, Lord, for the calling and the destiny that you have laid on each and every single person, individually, as well as on us as a spiritual family. My God, I pray that as we seek your face, you would help us to identify the areas of focus that you would like to deal with in our hearts and in our situations. I pray that you would speak words to our hearts that bring about faith, that bring about trust in you, Lord Jesus, that we would believe your word, that we would confess your word, not what anybody else thinks or says, but what you say that your kingdom may come, that your will may be done in our lives and in our situation here on earth as it is always done in heaven. And so I bless you today for this word, for this call, and I thank you that within your word, Lord God, is the very power of God unto salvation as we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.